This is the Action Network Podcast. All the work, all the talk, all the handicapping is done. It's time for history. They're all in line. We're ready for the start. They're all in the Belmont Stakes. Make another two legs more. Back to win, win, win. On the turn, beginning to pick up stride near the back of the pack. As the field turns for home, and he bursts through an opening on the inside. Stride for stride as they come to the final furlong. Keeps battling on. One, two, down to the line. An impossible result here. Wins the Belmont Stakes. Welcome back to the Action Network podcast for your Belmont Stakes Best Bets edition. It's presented by Twin Spires. I'm your host today, Brendan Glasheen, joined by three horse racing experts delivering their favorite bets for the 154th running of the Belmont taking place this Saturday with a post time of 6.44 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. First up, delighted to welcome back action contributor, America's best racing handicapper, better known as the Parlay Queen. You can find her on social there, Monique Vague. Hello, Monique. Uh, we're also joined by action racing editor, Jeremy Pond. Jeremy's back. Good to see you, Jeremy. And then to round out the trio, we have action contributor, handicapper, Mike Conti. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. Couldn't be better. As a reminder, this Action Network podcast, the uh, Belmont Stakes betting preview, is presented by Twin Spires to get you guys ready to bet the Belmont. Twin Spire is offering action listeners a terrific offer, a deposit bonus up to $400. Here's how it works. Go to twinspires.com and sign up using code ACTIONRACING and you'll receive a deposit bonus of $100 for every $400 you wager. Good for up to $400 in bonuses. To take advantage of this deposit bonus offer, just follow the link in our episode description and use the promo code Action racing at sign up. Uh, let's get into it here. Eight horses, of course, some that participated in Preakness, others that did not. First uh, time we're seeing some of these horses since the Kentucky Derby. Jeremy Pond, what is the general approach when you look at history, weather, the field itself? How are you assessing the field here and getting yourself set for Belmont? I think first and foremost, we really have to look at track conditions. I know they're supposed to, they're calling for some potential rain. Will the track come up muddy, sloppy? They do a pretty good job at the Naira tracks to seal these tracks, which is when they really tighten them up. The Peter Pan was a perfect example. It was a stakes race um, that was run on May 14th, which we, the people, actually won. It was a muddy track, but they sealed it. So it played kind of fast, for lack of better description. And I want to see that race day. You're going to be able to watch all these races. They're all live on Fox Sports 2, CNBC, NBC. I want to see what's being favored there is speed favoring is front running speed carrying in these races whether it's six furlongs seven furlongs a mile and an eighth mile and 16 or is the speed not it's not a speed favoring track horses coming from you know stalking positions deep closers horses coming from off the pace basically are they the ones getting the better trips you know those are the two key factors for me and you know and this is an eight horse field everyone's going to get where they want to get most likely i think the only horse that could potentially be compromised is the horse on the rail who's the favorite because he's got seven others to, to his right. It doesn't matter if there's four horses in the field or there's 20. That horse on the rail and in the second post position with Skippy Longstocking, they're going to have to make some decisions. Um, but I don't think anyone's going to run into any real major trouble. So you just got to really take into factor what your horse is, where he's positioned in the race, coming out of the gate, look at the track conditions, 
um, and see how they're, what's being favored that day. A lot, a lot will be dictated where I place all my bets. A lot of the exotic wagers, especially, um, you know, throughout the, throughout the day with the, with a long rate, you know, pick fours, pick fives, those type of plays to see what's going on um, with that stuff. So. Okay. Good points. I'm sure we'll have some, uh, some crossover and some uh, repetition on those thoughts, but uh, Monique, for you specifically, when you, when you talk about approach and you take a look, what's one of the first things you're doing in terms of trying to handicap uh, the Belmont stakes? I think the first thing to do when I handicap any race in general is try to figure out that pace scenario, who's going to be on the lead, where all the other horses are going to be positioned and try to envision the way the race is going to play out. And I think that's the best thing you can possibly do. And a lot of the times, if you do have the race scenario mapped out perfectly in your head and you're able to kind of calculate that and put that into fruition, I find that you usually end up coming through with your wagers and you usually have a better read on the race as a whole for a race like the Belmont. We have a lot of new faces. We have some familiar faces. We have some horses and obviously skipped out on some of the legs of the triple crown. And also with three-year-olds, one other thing too is especially we notice it a lot in the triple crown trail in general you have horses that are getting so much better from start to start there's a noticeable difference that you can see and maybe something you gleamed from the race prior so i think with these horses it's difficult enough to predict in and of itself then you factor in some of the new faces you factor in the pace scenario and then the smaller field too so a bunch of question marks in here i know uh jeremy and i we were talking earlier don't have the strongest of reads in terms of this race as a whole Still lots of time to change and lots of time to see how the track's playing out and see how the odds are. Mike, we're really excited to have you joining us uh, for the first time here for the, for the triple crown. What's uh, what's your read here and in, in, in please feel free to reference how you maybe approached uh, the Derby and then Preakness. Just how do you compartmentalize uh, a bunch of factors here when you handicap uh, a race like the Belmont stakes? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I think what Monique just said is, is key in terms of figuring out the pace scenario, especially in a mile and a half race for uh, three-year-olds that have never gone this far before. And most of them, if not all of them will never go this far again. So I do think that pedigree is something in this race that comes into play that we really have to take into account of who's bred to get the distance uh, Jaren's point around weather is, is another big piece. And there's a reason that Belmont is nicknamed the big Sandy. So I always am looking for horses that have at least run over the track and who have potentially ran well over this track. And half of this field has a start over the track. Three of the eight have a win over the track. So all things to consider when you, when you take into account a mile and a half race, big sweeping turns, and the stretch run that is always entertaining. We look at the odds. We the people is the favorite coming in at two to one. Skippy Longstocking, 20 to one. Nest, eight to one. Moving right along. Rich Strike, who took home the Derby, seven to two. Jeremy, who can realistically win this thing? Who can realistically take it home? You look at odds and all factors. I'm tossing two horses right out of the gate. I'm tossing Skippy Longstocking and Golden Glider. I don't like Skippy Longstocking in this race in general and golden glider finished i believe 10 lengths behind uh we the people in the peter pan which was for me was a glorified allowance race um there was nothing in that i mean let's be honest there's no stars in that race um if we the people gets to the front obviously he's a player because he's alone speed in the race if nobody contests him in the first quarter he gets alone starts loping along goes 24 in the first quarter 48 and change in the second he could run away with it i 
I see that scenario as the only scenario he wins, to be honest, because I don't think this horse likes to get dirt kicked in his face. You go back to the Arkansas Derby, broke from the nine post, and nobody was outside. There's only nine horses in the race. Nobody to his right. Could not get clear. Brat couldn't get him clear of the three horses to his left. Drop, dropped him back in behind him, and that horse did nothing in the Arkansas Derby. He did not fire. I believe he finished seven. Wasn't even in contention the entire race. That horse has to get to the lead. He has to, or else he's, I don't believe he wins the race. Mo Donegal is the horse for me right now. I hope his odds drift. I believe he's five to two right now. I'd love to see him go up at three to one. I kind of believe he will either be the favorite or co-favorite with We the People. I think they're better going to focus on him. Rich Strike will come in probably in that third slot. He's seven to two morning line. I think he'll probably go off maybe around there. And then you got creative minister who I think is six to one, who I think will actually drift a little down to maybe seven or eight. He's going to give you more value there because someone else on this call I know loves creative minister and he's lightly raced. A lot of these horses have they've gone seven, eight, nine times in their careers. It's a lot for a three-year-old. This is a different era where, you know, big time horses who were winning these major triple crown races, they only ran three, four, five times and then retired. Some of these horses have, have run nine times, eight times. I, I think it really comes down to the horses that should win and could win this race, we the people, Mo Donegal, obviously Rich Strike, and then my long shot in this race, and you no know one's going to talk me off of this Barber Road. He's a good friend of the Action Network. I think we should sponsor this horse in some capacity because um, <laughs> he's, he's made us a lot of money, right? Finishing in, inside top tens and top threes and through the Derby Trail. I think an ideal trip for him, he could, things could fall apart up top and he could be there at the end. He's a hardworking horse. He's been in the money seven of nine times so far in his career. This is a very tough race to handicap. Of the, of the eight, I think six could le- realistically win this race. And let's hope we catch a price, right? Let's hope the favorite doesn't win. Let's, ho- let's hope that we the people doesn't win and we can get something going with the exotics here. Let's not bury the lead also. Monique, uh, Creative Minister. Jeremy hinted at you. Uh, you're on Creative Minister. Please tell us why there is a case for Creative Minister to win the Belmont Stakes. So, Jeremy, I don't love the horse. I just had to settle on the horse in here. I think he's going to offer some value. I think he has a good shot. And just earlier, too, just having these lightly raced horses, I think, really come in handy. I have no issues for him being able to handle the distance. That's one thing that we usually talk about for the Belmont as a whole. But then we have a horse in the front end, We the People, who, you know, you kind of look at the race. And I think most of these horses are going to be able to handle the distance. It's a matter of if they excel going a little bit longer. But with the likes of Creative Minister, I think he's going to be in a great spot. I think he's going to be right behind that early speed. I think it's going to set up well for him. He's lightly raced. He tried the graded stakes ranks once in the Preakness. Wasn't the most ideal of trips. I don't think there's any way he was going to beat early voting and then epicenter with that trouble trip. I mean, what is there really to be said out of there? But he was simply third best on that outing. I think he's getting better. I think he's an intriguing option. Kenny McPeak has had a lot of success in the graded stakes ranks and winning the Preakness. I think he's one of those sneaky plays in here outside of the logical ones, those being the Rich Strikes and, of course, the Mo Donegal, who, again, I think it's just going to probably end up setting up pretty well for Mo Donegal. And if he's on his game, wouldn't be surprised to see a dominant effort from him in there. So a bunch of different opinions, at least in terms of who to use on top, but have to settle on a value play and create a minister for now. Mike, it is just a field of eight, but uh, who can realistically win this thing? There's one horse that we haven't really discussed yet, and it's the filly in the bunch. It's Nest. Now, listen, is she my top choice? Absolutely not. But 
do I think that her running style and similar to, to what Monique just mentioned about creative minister, that her running style comes into play and could really benefit her in here. She's one that's going to, you know, be just off stalking the pace should only be a couple of lengths behind for the first two calls for the first quarter and the first half. And if we, the people, you know, if somebody else, creative minister nest, if they're able to push, we, the people a little bit, Nest creative minister, they're going to get the first jump on the deep closers, the rich strikes, the Barber roads, the Mo Donegals of the race. And so I, you know, you can't discredit her. There's also something to be said in horse racing. Whenever a filly is running against the boys and she takes the lead for whatever reason, whether there's actual truth or it's just myth, the boys always seem to have trouble going by a filly once she takes the lead. We saw it in the Preakness a few years ago. And so I, I just think that this is a spot if you're looking for value, she's a horse who, and she's shown that she can handle a wet, fast track, which as Jeremy mentioned, we might get here. She shouldn't have a problem getting the distance, uh, being out of Curlin. Uh, by an AP indie uh, mayor. So, you know, I think that she stands a real chance. I do like We the People a lot, though. You know, he could, as Jeremy mentioned, get the lone lead. If he mopes along early and no one presses him, even at a short price, sometimes you just got to take what the value is that we're being given. Um, and then I would round out the trifecta with Mo Donegal. Uh, he's paired up his last two buyers at 96, uh, which means one of two things, right? He's either going to pop and we're going to see that buyer jump up into the triple digits, or we could possibly see a regression. I just don't see a regression coming from him. Uh, Pletcher always has his horses ready. He's one of the horses that's won over this track. I will tell you that in, in my exotic wagers, I am tossing Rich Strike. Um, I get he ran an amazing race in the Derby. And I don't discredit the horse at all. He got more than an ideal pace to run into. Granted, he navigated more traffic than I've ever seen in a derby. Uh, that said, I just, at seven to two, there's no value. And I'm not convinced that he can recreate the magic in the derby. Let me just piggyback on one thing that Mike just said right sure. there about Nest. Curlin lost to Rags to Riches in the 2007 Belmont Stakes. Rags to Riches is a filly. Rags to Riches kept Curlin at bay down the lane. You go back and watch that race on YouTube. That is a that is a throwdown for the final two, three furlongs. And as Mike alluded to, Curlin, who is arguably one of the greatest horses in the last, what, 30 years, could not get past Rags to Riches, could not get past her. And she won the race. And I think Mike was alluding to Swiss Skydiver back in 2020 uh, when Swiss Skydiver won the Preakness. He makes a great point. I just want to just support that the males can't get by the females when they get in that situation. Um, so great point by Mike. And now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. 
Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 25 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's not a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with a tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and sleeper. will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so you, you've all kind of hinted at what your card might look like, but let's put some stuff on record, shall we? Jeremy, we'll start with you. We'll work our way around the horn here. What's your card looking like for the uh, Belmont Stakes, Jeremy Pond? I think there's a scenario, only one scenario, where we the people wins. He has to get the lead. I do not see him coming from off the pace stalking. I go back to that Arkansas Derby again, finished seventh, and he finished well behind everybody else. He was never in contention, wasn't in play, if he doesn't get the lead, then I think we've got five, six other horses that can win the race because I don't think he's going to come from behind and win the race. Skippy Longstocking is going to have a, a say right out of the gate. He's breaking right next to him in the two posts. What does Skippy Longstocking do? Does he stay there or does trainer Safi Joseph Jr. say, okay, you need to go or you need to check him a little bit into the rail? Skippy Longstocking wrecked Epicenter's Freakness race. If you watch the gate, he crushed him right out of the first two, 300 yards, which sent Epicenter back along, sent him down to the rail. He's now second to last. Epicenter still came back and was probably the best horse that day. Epicenter was probably the best horse that day and in the Derby. That's going to be one of the hard luck losers of Triple Crown Racing in the last 20 years. That horse is the best best three-year-old in America, but he still had trouble because he he ran into problems coming out of the gate. I think there's a scenario where We the People doesn't get that early lead. Um, And then it opens up for a situation where you get these stalkers. I don't think somebody from deep in the clouds is going to come win this race. I also don't think Rich Strike and the Barber Roads are going to be 20 lengths behind everybody. Either. I think everybody's going to stay pretty compact. I don't think anybody's going to fall way off the, off the wayside in this race because it's too small of a field, right? Um, and when you've got lone speed, you've got to stay closer to the speed just for the fact that you don't want him to go away. So I'm going to play the scenario in my mind right now that we the people will not get the trip he wants, and I'm going to go with Mo Donegal at this point. I just think that the combination of Pletcher and Irad Ortiz um, on that track, they were second best in the, in the Wood Memorial. I'm sorry, they, were, they won the Wood Memorial, beat early voting, who came back and won the Preakness, bypassed the Derby because they wanted, Chad Brown wanted the Preakness. Smart move. Um, this time, they skip the Preakness um, with Mo Donegal and go to the longer distance in, in the Belmont. So, I think this sets up for him. If you're looking for a long shot, I love Barber Road. He's seven of nine in the money. You've got to use him in your exotics. He's always there. He's that horse that does not like to win. I kind of, I alluded to him before in an earlier conversation. In fact, Monique and I were talking. Um, he's like Midnight Bourbon. You know that that that's a trying horse. He just didn't win a lot of races. He finished second and third, made millions of dollars, right? Um, but just didn't get that. Could not get that big win um, per se. So. I think from a value perspective between we, the people and Barber road, do I want two to one on we, the people, or do I want 10 to one or more on Barber road when Barber road finished 13 lengths better 
than we the people did in the Arkansas Derby against the better field than what we the people saw in the Peter Pan. So Moldonagle on top right now, just right now on, on, on this day, um, going to the race. And then Barber Road is my live long shot underneath. Very good. Barbara Road having a little rest as well, not partaking in Preakness, uh, but did so was right there at the end in the uh, in the Derby. Monique, what's the card looking like for you? Uh, your outright winner, exotics. Uh, what do you have for us? Yeah, so going to change my mind quite a few times, I'm sure, heading up to now until post time, of course. Still lots of time and have the luxury of seeing those horses that take that support versus don't and then try to find the one offering value. I guess for me, I know earlier we were talking about the smaller fields just in general for the undercard as a whole. And I mean, that's unfortunate from that perspective because I always love those multi legs. I know race nine is one, uh, the Metropolitan Handicap. Everyone's looking forward to that. I think Flightline is an absolute freak. He's as fast and as good as it gets no concerns for the distance so he'll be a single for me for those multi legs and i'm sure he'll be a single for many so doing that allows you the luxury of going a little bit deeper in the belmont in and of itself and you have to respect rich strike creative minister mo donegal those would be the three kind of standouts for me in terms of who to use and then maybe even toss in more of those and then hope for a price along the way for those multi legs. But yeah, really looking forward to some of the races on the undercard. And if you can find a single in some of those multi legs, you know, the more the merrier allows you the luxury of going deeper. So those are the kind of races that I'm kind of um, targeting at least early on. And then got to sprinkle a little bit on creative minister, probably a win place wager there. Very nice. All right, Mike, you, you kind of hinted at what you're uh, you might be eyeing in your, your last comment about, uh, about who can realistically win this thing. So lay it out for us. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what Jeremy said, and, and I'll go back to an earlier comment. I love horses that have won over this track before. And frankly, from an ownership group perspective, I think it's one of the Rapoli horses winning this race, which is either Nest or Modonagal. Both have won over this track before. Both have multiple races over this track, both with a first and a third from two uh, starts over this track. I do think Modonagal, Jeremy alluded to, he's going to be closer. No one's going to be 15, 16, 18 lengths off. Uh, so he will be closer. And again, I mentioned it before, pairing up buyers. I love seeing that. A lot of times that will mean somebody moves forward. Also, the fact that early voting came back to win the Preakness after running second, a really good second to Mo Donegal in the Wood Memorial, I think speaks volumes to, to Mo Donegal in this spot. Um, and I mentioned Nest earlier. I, I really do like her in here. Uh, so for me, the play would be, uh, you know, an exacta with Mo Donegal with Nest. Uh, and then if need be using we the people, but probably just using we the people in the second position rather than uh, boxing the three of them to try to create a little bit more value for yourself. Uh, from a multi-race wager standpoint, um, I'm going against Monique's single actually uh, in mm -hmm. the multi-race wagers. And I'm going just to flight lines outside to Speaker's Corner. I think Speaker's Corner has done more, has proven himself time and time again. Flight line, it's the first time he will be facing older horses. So I'll actually be singling Speaker's Corner in that spot. And then even earlier in race seven, which is the start of the all grade one pick five, I'll be singling Latruska, hoping to find some value in the two turf races in between. Okay, great stuff. Uh, really appreciate all you guys stopping by uh, throughout this uh, 
Triple Crown. And again, you can find uh, all the hard work from Jeremy Pond, Action Network. Also, uh, Mike Conti, he's a contributor at Action Network. And of course, uh, Monique Vague, America's best racing handicapper, known as the Parlay Queen over on social. Uh, that's going to do it for us, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Action Network podcast, Belmont Stakes Best Bets. For the trio we had on, Brendan Glasheen, best of luck this weekend, everybody. And we will catch you next time here on the Action Network podcast. Podcast.